0: It was the 60s and 70s, and the conceit of modernity had only begun to cast its shadow. There was still enough light of truth that even in the mind of a child, spiritually based things like beauty were obvious, certain, and most assuredly divine. So when it said that beauty is subjective, I am sorry for those who don't understand that such words are but a cold steel trap of deceit. I learned this many times growing up. Beauty acts as a beacon, signaling a haven to a world in chaos. I recall this light as relating to housing. I was raised a few miles from the nation's most notorious example of failed public housing, the project Pruitt-Igoe. Much has been researched and written about this failed government venture. Pruitt-Igoe is a classic, albeit secular study, of man's fall into chaos when beauty is removed. For those unfamiliar, the pruitt Igo project turned one square mile of beautifully crafted 19th century stone row houses into what locals dubbed cracker boxes. If the stark before and after contrast wasn't painful enough, pruitt Igo was where the government agencies banished the city's poorest, most disenfranchised and powerless residents. The once organically desegregated houses on the banks of the Mississippi were exchanged for 33 towers designed in the trademark modernist architecture of Minuro Yamasaki. Yamasaki would go on to design the twin towers in New York City. The modernist style is a close cousin of brutalist architecture, and both have left an equal number of crushed souls in their visual wake. Think Jagger Hoover in Washington, DC. And while so many other factors, all related to the corruption of man's soul, played into the demise of this property, it began with lifeless design. Pruitt-Igoe quickly became shorthand for the allegorical poorhouse, where one wrong decision could mean the loss of economic autonomy, upward mobility, and the final blow, the absence of beauty. Life in a cracker box. How did the story end? The massively failed public housing project was raised to the ground after 17 short years. All that remains are lessons learned by public housing developers who understand that beauty is many things, just not subjective. Unfortunately, missteps like Pruitt-Igoe were not limited to government agencies. The same rejection of history and wisdom that spawned Pruitt-Igoe's architecture found its way into the Catholic Church during the same era, resulting in scores of cracker box churches across the country. Within the church, ugly architecture cascaded into ugly art, which cascaded into bad liturgy and the abandonment of sacred music. How did the story end? Well, that was more of a long goodbye. Over half the parishes in regions like Northeast and Midwest are now simply gone. One question remains, how do we dig out of the rubble? Kathleen Carr, founder of the Catholic Art Institute and an extraordinary artist in her own right, is with us today. She is one warrior fighting to bring beauty back to the church, a church that for thousands of years defined beauty. I have so been looking forward to this interview. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pleased to be here. You're an accomplished Catholic artist with an extremely impressive body of work and an amazing history. You're also founder of Catholic Art Institute. Tell us your story and what inspired you to start the institute.
1: Well, like most uh, artists, I was a lifelong artist and began drawing and painting as a child. And then I ended up studying art in college. Uh, received a BFA from Maryland Institute College of Art. But subsequent um, after that, I discovered that there was a burgeoning atelier movement in classical training something that I had never seen, but was really growing as this desire for a return to beauty seemed to be growing in a small faction of the art world. So I began studying that as I was at the same time working as a web designer for major media in the Washington DC area, including places like National Geographic and otherwise. And then I also taught at the Corcoran College of Art in DC, um, illustration, digital illustration, design, various other things. And I was sort of studying on the side and uh, I managed to develop my skills in a very old master way And around 2013, I felt God was calling me to do something with with my artistic ability uh, and not just my design. And so I set about working on some devotional paintings, one of which is behind me is The Man of Sorrows. And I I did a commission for a church in the Washington, D.C. suburbs, um, a Divine Mercy painting for the chapel. It's at St. Andrews in in Silver Spring, Maryland. And uh, I experienced a great deal of joy. And then also I was looking to grow uh, my body of work, how to find commissions and, you know, find a place for myself in the church, Um, particularly after discerning my charism for art and various other skills um, through Sherry Waddell's um, Discernment of Charism course. But what I started discovering was that there there wasn't really a place for me in, in so many of the churches. And there were also questions that I was starting to ask myself, well, really for a long time, because my parents were native Washingtonians, and they used to take us downtown to the church where they met, which was a Franciscan Monastery, very beautiful. But we grew up in the suburbs, and the churches that we went to, and all of my family and, you know, friends from Catholic school, the churches were not so beautiful. They were rather uninspiring, and so was the music and the felt banners and And as a sensitive artist, I just didn't understand why it was just all I knew, you know, and so as I was moving towards understanding all of these things, I, of course, started doing research, I ended up finding the Catholic Marketing Network, and I was able to go to their trade show and sell some of my prints, but they also supported something called the Catholic Writers Guild, um so when they would have their major trade show they would allow the writers guild to meet and help get them on you know to ewtn and various things to help them promote and grow as a community and i inquired if there was an organization that they supported for artists and they they said well we get a lot of inquiries and we would love to help you with that like we do the, the writers guild um why don't you look into founding that And I thought, well, okay, that seems a little bit crazy, but I will do the research. So I did. I started looking into what had been formed, what was out there. Um, I started finding that certain organizations were started and failed. And I, I started just calling people and asking, you know, what their experience was and the things that I saw that were good and successful, I was able to get some advice with. And then with the help of um Alan Napleton he brought me to Chicago to his trade show and there I met the canons regular of St John Kansas and in the interim of all this research I had written a vision document what what did I see needed to be what needed to happen we needed a community there needed I was looking for a community I was long time uh in the arts but as you know the arts are very woke and as a person of deep faith it, there just there didn't you, you don't feel like you can share or open your mouth or if you do, it's there's going to be hostility. The same is true if you're going to try to show and sell your work, no galleries will really uh, t- touch you if you're doing sacred art. And few places, it's growing now, uh, thankfully, but few places are interested in traditional realism and paintings that are beautiful. So my question was, first of all, why? What happened? How do we address that and make people understand what happened? How did the churches get so ugly? Why, wh- what's happened with the culture? Um, so, also, I had discovered this classical training, which was not available to me in art college. And I have, you know, I went to the, one of the top four art colleges in the country. I wanted to be able to share that too. Um, so, when I put this vision document together, I envisioned that that we would be able to meet as a community and support one another. Um, We would have talks that would address the philosophical and theological challenges that we are facing in the church today that has really brought us such ugliness and a destruction of the arts, really. Um, We could pray together as a community, and I always envisioned that this would be any beautiful church, you know, that had a beautiful liturgy and very elevated, you know, music. All the arts working in concert as as a model of sorts of where where the arts are, are glorifying God and those of us that have them. Can, can go and pray together, but it's like a showcase to show other people, because I think it's not as there's a utilitarian mentality in in the culture that's filtered into the church that doesn't see a value in beauty. You know, it's something for the rich or it's a nice to have, but it's not necessary. And in fact, that's not true. And so through my research founding this organization, you know, we really, we are, you get, you get, you get to see where the modernism came in and affected art and architecture in the art establishment but then how this filtered into the church who was responsible for that but then also you know how can we as artists contribute today to the church with our gifts and support one another so this organization was formed with all of those things in mind therefore um that governed how we would do activities you know so i created an annual conference and invited you know the best speakers i could Roger Scruton, Sir Roger Scruton, one of them, if anybody has seen his documentary, Why Beauty Matters, it very much talks about and underscores what you were saying in your introduction, Linda, um, that there's a need, there's a human need for beauty. And, you know, he goes through all of the things that happened that caused all this ugliness and destruction, and how we have a path forward. And so praise be to God, um, he came to my first annual conference, and then along with Duncan Stroik, and, Uh, several other artists uh, to talk about our place as artists. So I usually try to get somebody to talk about the church architecture, the philosophy or the theology of beauty and why it matters. And then artists, you know, that are sculptors, uh, painters, various other things, musicians. So we've hosted some of the best speakers um, to address these problems and help Will lay people understand and the clergy that this is a necessity and that it matters and that we should invest in it. And we should, and ultimately why, because we are trying to offer our gifts for the greater glory of God. You know, the church building is number one, a vision of heaven. So the, the, the congregants there are going to be reminded and brought into reverence and awe of God. But the main reason is that God is being made present there. And so the, the, the sanctuary in the church should be a, a beautiful special place because he's being made present. And in doing so, it really shows the faithful that something very serious and true is happening. And in the absence of that, you get the reverse. So if the mass is very casual, there's there's no sense of seriousness and, and elevated beauty in the music if it's very you know secular sounding and pedestrian. The message to the faithful, especially the young, I think is confusing or you know, I'm okay, you're okay, tends to be almost, I think, what happens. You don't you don't really understand the weight and the gravity. And this is the power of the arts and the reason for it. So we're just giving beauty back to the source of beauty, which is God himself. So that's the long answer.
0: <laughs> well said. Kathleen is a traditional Catholic artist. You are center of today's battle to sustain truth, beauty, and goodness. Throughout history, the world has fallen into a number of dark ages. Is that where we're culturally headed now?
1: Oh, I believe so. Um, You know, if you look at where the problem began, it was many decades ago. You know, you can see the modernist movement really stemming from Vasily Kandinsky and the Bauhaus, and all of these people, oddly enough, were all around the table with Madame Blavatsky over in Russia and the Theosophic Society. So this is the spirit that you get coming that brought modernism into the universities and the art programs, and then eventually it found its way into the church. And you know, this, the idea with modernism is that it's a real break from tradition in the past, that it's a its a quest for um, originality is what they would call it. But it, in fact, it's really a quest for novelty. So how can you be more shocking is really what we have come to. And so if you see what is going on in modern art museums or, you know, the Venice Biennial, you know, the Turner Prize, these major art prizes with major funding behind them, and the work is nihilistic at best, or just simply ugly, but oftentimes it's it's grotesque, it's shocking, uh, extremely offensive and blasphemous in cases. But this is what has gotten into the university. You know? So if you go and you study art, for the most part, this is what they're going to encourage you to do. And this has been going on for so long that most, it's not everywhere, but it's a lot of places. The, the faculty don't even have the training and skills to teach you in a traditional method. They'll teach you to express yourself, but they cannot teach you how to go in the line, which is, you know, this, this Atelier style training that I ended up learning, you know, the classical method, it really stems from, you know, Michelangelo and the guilds that were were happening. You have a master and then around that are the students and, and you learn particular rigors and techniques, you know, where the modern art establishment would say, you know, you're just a genius. You fall out of the sky that way. And everything is around a concept. So the work can just it could be anything, but usually it has to have a very long description with it, which to me, it ceases to really do what it's supposed to do, which is, you know, painting and drawing and and the visual. So so this is what we have now. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a very powerful lobby with that and people are cowed. So I think your average person on the street and I hear this all the time. I don't know anything about art because they've been basically bullied by the art establishment who will call them, you know, basically a Philistine or stupid if they don't affirm what they see in these modern art museums, which can be anything from scribbling piles of trash, bricks, you know. In one case, there's this is actually true, there is an artist that has invisible sculptures and they're, you know, $25,000. Or you must have seen what was it two years ago at, at um, Art Basel in Miami, the banana tape to the wall for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But if you dare say that that is that's to be ridiculed, then you are ridiculed. Then you're you know you're bullied and you're told you don't know anything. But in fact, I I want to encourage people that the emperor has no clothes and that you can have an opinion about this and that we should especially try to encourage you know, our churches to be beautiful. So if there's churches, like a problem we have is the recovation of churches and, you know, to encourage the pastor and help support that and find the classical architects, most of which that we've um, hosted for talks and our conferences um, that can help, you know, the, the liturgical arts companies too, to to, you know, make a church that's beautiful and fitting, restore ones that have had, you know, the altars taken out and the paintings, you know, whitewashed or what have you. Or, you know, if there's a new church construction design, um, to to seek the to seek out the traditional architects and and uh and that that it's possible it's possible and affordable to get something very beautiful and transcendent made these days. I just think people don't know where to begin. So it's one of the things that I try to do with this organization is to help educate lay people, everyone interested in the arts and especially the clergy.
0: So Sounds like education is a big piece of that. It is. Participation in church sacraments has fallen dramatically since 2000. Catholic weddings are down 54%, according to the research group CARA. The few pursuing a Catholic church wedding are more often seeking Catholic churches that look like real Catholic churches. That is traditional architecture. Kathleen, it seems like when it matters, humans intrinsically navigate toward beauty can art save the faith? I believe it can. I believe
1: that we have a culture that's overwhelming in terms of visuals and, you know, competition for our attention. And um, and I think there's a place that we need to go that is classically beautiful and reverences, it brings us to reverence and awe like a traditional church because without it, the the youth are going to be fed the wrong things. And we are formed by what we take in, you know, Plato and, and Thomas Aquinas talked about this. That you know, this it's it's very formative. So if you are forming yourself by listening to beautiful music, especially the unbelievable patrimony of of sacred music that um, came from the Catholic faith, this is going to form you where you know rap music is going to deform you there's going to be a deformation or a lack of understanding um and this will just hold true in anything that frames the mass the music the architecture the instruments the mass the vestments if everything is depleted or pedestrianized then you're going to have a misunderstanding of the faith and and to your point about Kara and other efforts yes there's been studies done so for example um, James McCreary, who spoke at a, our, our conference last year, and Duncan Stroik, who also spoke at our conference in 2017, uh, both were asked on the committee for restoration and new monuments for Washington D.C. under the Trump administration. And numerous studies were conducted. And this is the same in the UK. These studies were conducted. What does the general public want? They want the, the classical, traditional monuments. And what do they always get? They get. They get. They get this confusing brutalists the, the gherkin i mean you've seen these cities where these glass structures they don't fit and they don't fit in with the classical work and so it's the same there's a reason why people they this is appealing to the human sense too because we were made in the image and likeness of god and god is the you know he's the source of beauty so of course he's made us to uh to be drawn to things that are ordered. And this is what classical architecture, you know, traditional architecture does and modern architecture doesn't. Why? Because the philosophy behind the modern art and architecture is to break itself from that, to be novel, to be, you know, seeking the next novel thing. And, you know, the the principles behind brutalist architecture and henceforth are to seem intimidating, to seem alienating. There's a hatred of any ornamentation, that's very passe, they'll tell you. And it's the same when you're in art college, they will discourage you and all the artists from doing anything that's beautiful. Sure, you'll get into some drawing class for two years and then it's, please get on that exit ramp to start scribbling and doing your own original work and you're in competition with everybody else. And it's all also focused on yourself, which I think is a problem where artistic gifts are that, they're gifts and gifts are for others. And I think there's a frustrating thing that no wonder artists are so depressed half the time when the, the you know, the, the education is telling them, focus on yourself and your self-expression and rather than you're called to something beautiful, you're called to honor God that way. And these gifts can really transform the things around you and also, you know, honor him by helping you be- beautiful you know, make a beautiful place for him at mass.
0: Well, you mentioned recnovated, which I really enjoy that term. It's a play on renovated, but wrecked. Some churches that were recnovated during the 1960s and 1970s are now being restored in ways that reconnect with tradition. What are some of your favorite examples, especially examples of new sacred art? Well, I think the two most
1: prominent um architects working today that have done really beautiful new church construction are Duncan Stroik and and James McCreary. Um, Duncan Stroik just completed um, a high school chapel at a Jesuit college in Florida um, and he has commissioned Cody Swanson who's a really amazing Catholic artist um, uh, to do the sculptures of various um, Jesuit saints in that church um, James McCreary has worked on many projects, um, one of which is the new cathedral that he built of the Sacred Heart in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's traditional. It's beautiful. It's uplifting. Um, so many things that have that have been built recently, especially down here in the South where the faith is really growing, um, are, are great examples of how we can revisit and build something beautiful and honoring of God, you know, but
0: today. What can ordinary parishioners do? To assist pastors who are interested in improving the worship environment with quality sacred art? Um,
1: I would encourage them to support the pastor and you know work on maybe a capital campaign to raise funds. I mean, it's easy to reach out to these various liturgical arts companies. It depends on the scale of what needs to be done. So either an architect or a liturgical arts company um, could help advise if it's if it's a, a church that they're trying to renovate beautifully. Um, there are many companies that can really help with that and will work with budget. Um, I would, I would advise them to pray for sure and to not be afraid to really try to honor God and, and, you know, and God will bless these efforts, but just to show support and to try to work together as a community, it can be done. And there are good places, you know, that would be able to help assist with that and to you know, and to try to raise as much funds as you can to do something really fitting for God. This is really for God. You know, and if we give our best to God, he's never outdone in generosity. He will always bless, you know, twofold. And so sometimes that can be frightening and we don't have enough money, but I think it just to make the start and start getting the estimates and start raising funds. And when you do have something beautiful, it really helps all of the contributions go up. I mean, I think, I don't know if you have other examples of this, but I know for some of the churches that I've had events at or attended myself, when they start fixing the music program and the church and people start coming and then the donations are are raised and the whole community grows and it grows around having that sense of home and that place of beauty. I, I don't know. I think about too evangelization, you know, if I'm going to bring somebody that's a non-Catholic and I do have friends, I, I don't want to have to bring them to a, a mass that's so depleted and, you know, the, the music is is very poor, low quality. You, you know, I want to be able to show them this is what it is to be Catholic. And, you know, and usually most I've heard stories of many converts and they've been attracted to going into a Catholic church and it's made such an impression You know, it's opened them up to what can be true and good about the faith, too, because you mentioned, you know, beauty not being in the eye of the beholder. It's not a subjective thing. It's really a transcendental. And so it's always spoken about beauty, truth and goodness. And they're the three that are always together. And if you were to pull one down so you stop supporting beauty down with it goes truth and goodness. It's it doesn't seem true or good or why would you even care you know, and oftentimes it's the beauty that can get into people where preaching or otherwise may not, you know, I, I have stories of converts that have worked with me on this organization, and they were just brought to a beautiful mass at St. John Cantius. they were raised with a real hostility to the faith, you know, and they it opened them up, They they started weeping, the beauty of the building, you know, the Palestrina music. And they couldn't stop thinking about it and through you know friendships and asking questions they end up converting and being baptized and i know many stories like this through the power of beauty in particular and that's that's why i think it's you know something that you know if if people have this desire really support your
0: pastor and try to work in your community because it's important great show kathleen art has never been more important to a society than it is to the nation today it may literally save the church and thus the culture. I hope we can have you back to dig in deeper. Thank you. I'd love to be back. Saliency. It's a neurological term that describes how your brain prioritizes what's important. A single red dot on a page of black dots, a familiar face, and a sea of strangers at a party. Research shows that art and aesthetics are major conduits for human saliency and building new synapses. Beautiful art literally helps us prioritize what is important in a very busy world. From chaos, beauty creates order in the mind. It is not an option for a functional society. Research shows that beauty is vital to human existence. The church must move back into its calling of delivering it. Thank you for joining us today. The Fear Not series highlights today's quiet and not-so-quiet Catholic warriors, It's easy to become discouraged about the state of the church. In times of chaos, God's light shines brightest through his brave Catholic warriors, priests, religious lay, faithful believers with vision and energy. Kathleen is just one such warrior. We're grateful for your time and are working behind the scenes to bring you more content that feeds the soul. When God is first, truth, beauty, and goodness follow I'm Linda Hoffman. Look for our next exciting episode of Fear Not. This has been a Chantworks production please visit us online at chantworks.com.